Jones and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Auction Community Studios, happy Tuesday to you. Welcome back into the Burns and Gambo Show. Thanks for hanging out with us, as always. You know, we appreciate it. John Gambo, Dave Burns, along with the whole crew, Mitch Vereldis, Eric Ruby. We're all here with you until 6.30. Bonus Burns and Gambo coverage tonight. Because November we've got, 1st. I know, right? We're in November. Like that. Wow. Like that. We have to, when I, when I get home tonight, I, I, I have something on my to-do list tonight. So my wife is a big believer that Thanksgiving as a holiday does not get the credit that it's due. Does it's not the best holiday. Recognize the way yeah. it should. It is right? the best holiday. So she purchased on Amazon a year ago. You know how people put up like Halloween decorations or Christmas decorations? Yeah. We put up Thanksgiving decorations at our house. Let's just call fall decorations. We, no, 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 no. We've got a giant inflatable turkey that goes in our front yard. It is my wife's way of announcing to the world. You just let everybody know how to find your house in it's Gilbert. Thanksgiving, people. Yeah, you're the only guy that's going to have a blow-up turkey in her front yard. Oh, you know what? Here's the thing. We're not. We're not. Like, as soon as she bought it, and as soon as we put it up, we're like, wait, they have one? They have one. Oh, they have one. Maybe it's a Gilbert thing. I, she Must just be a Gilbert she thing. She feels like Thanksgiving gets screwed. Like Christmas gets decorations. Halloween gets decorations. She puts up a bit. Like, this is like I guess a, she said a trend burns. This is like a giant nine-foot inflatable turkey in the front yard. But no, we and are You've got to put it up now. It's November 1st. We've got to go up now. Got, look, November 1st, when's Thanksgiving this year? November 26th? I've got 26 days to get my money's worth out of a $75 inflatable turkey. You're damn right it's going up tonight. <laughs> You're damn right it's going up tonight. All right. Because there you go. We, are, we are officially. Suns, Coyotes, and the World Series are on. Burns is going to be putting up a turkey. All you got to do is plug An it inflatable in. turkey. Plug it in and it blows itself up. And you, Yeah, you'll know. You'll know which house is ours. But you won't because there are people who have it as well. Wow. Uh, while all that's going on, yeah, World Series game tonight. And, of course, the Suns taking on the Timberwolves. I'm looking forward to this one tonight because Me too. Me Timberwolves too. are they're different, man. They, they went out and they made the Rudy Gobert trade and they announced their intention to zig while the rest of the NBA world goes zag. And while everyone's getting smaller and everyone's getting rid of, you know, kind of positional dependence and, and they're going towards positionless basketball, the Minnesota Timberwolves are playing a couple of big twin towers out there. Yeah, they are. And, and you know, Minnesota's struggling, right? They're not shooting the ball well. Let's just talk about the negatives. One, the three-point shooting has been really off. So they're not shooting the ball well from three. That's a problem. Like, Edwards isn't shooting it well. Nobody is. So that's a problem for them. They're struggling with their pick and roll. Because they're just not, the spacing's not right. They don't know really what to do. And D'Angelo Russell hunts shots on pick and rolls. He doesn't usually find Rudy Gobert for the alley-oops. And a lot of time there's somebody else in the lane, too, because the spacing is just not right. So you combine the lack of pick and rolls, plus Carl Anthony Towns is not shooting the three nope. well. He's way below. Anthony Edwards is not shooting the three well. So their offense like just hasn't really clicked yet. And in Rudy Gobert, who's a good pick and roll guy, every time he ro- go rolls to the basket, that's Jaden McDaniels. Like, you shouldn't be here. You need to be at the three-point line. And so they've had some problems with that. But what they do is they play good defense. Now, they haven't played a great offense yet. This, the, the, the only top 15 offense they played is San Antonio. But they've got the sixth best defense in the league right now. And Rudy Gobert, as we know, is maybe the best rim protector in the NBA. So you got a clash of two styles because the Suns are going at the rim. They're 
attacking the rim, but Rudy Gobert is the best in the game at protecting the rim. Yeah, it's been a real point of emphasis, at least so it seems, the Suns going after the rim. We've we've talked about that quite a few times so far this season. I would think this might be the game where you kind of downshift back more to your mid-range game, right? Which is where the Suns are so very good at. Devin Booker, Chris Paul, etc., etc. Because I just don't know if you're going to have a lot of success attacking the rim with Rudy Gobert under there. Jock Landale today talked about the prospect of facing these two bigs in the same game. I don't, I don't think I've played against Kyle and Towns before, but playing against Rudy, I know that he brings a presence in the paint um, you know, that often deters people from going down there. So got to make sure we stay with our stuff and continue to just play the way we're going to play. And, and, and um, I think that'll be too much of a problem for our guys. So we'll, you know, we're just going to keep the same game plan. It's just they're big. You know, they play four five, which is a massive lineup. Um, but we'll keep sticking with what we, we do. But you're right. This is they're looking at this in Minnesota. Like, okay, this defense has been good. Is that a function of who we've played so far? Because we haven't played anybody great. No. Let's take this out for a test spin against a really good offense in the Phoenix Suns. And even though they don't have Da and they might have to, not have Troy Craig, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, let's take this defense out for a spin against one of the best offenses and see how it does. I think, remember what we said about the Clippers game a week ago, a week and a half ago, that later in the year when the Suns play the Clippers, the Clippers will be a much better team. Yeah, same with Minnesota. I think the same with Minnesota. I, I think right now when they're trying to do something that is so uncommon, it's going to take them a while to figure out, and clearly they're kind of struggling with it right now, right? It hasn't been really easy for them. What, what should the expectations have been? I mean, you go out and you make this massive trade. You give up all these draft picks, four first-round picks, a pick swap, and all these players to go get Rudy Gobert. I mean, we thought that they okay, Okay, it's a good. You got the best player in the deal, but man, you gave up so much to get him. Yeah. But it took pressure off of Carl Anthony Towns, who's not a great rebounder and defensive player, and he doesn't he doesn't play any defense. Carl Anthony Towns is a terrible defensive player, which is why every time people brought up so the Suns going to tr- trade the AFM, no, because he doesn't play any defense. Plays no defense. I'll be honest with you, I never had real high expectations for Minnesota this year. I really didn't. I, I, I thought they'd be better. I, I I remember when they made it wasn't quite as bad as man. The Lakers got Russell Westbrook. What the hell are they thinking? I mean, I, I it wasn't like that. But I remember thinking to myself, I think this will cause more problems than it solves. I, I in fact, here's what I really remember thinking: during the regular season, they'll be good. They'll be good because it's unique. It's different. But come the postseason, is Rudy Gobert even going to be on the floor? You know, how are they going to make it work with the two bigs at the same time? And are they going to get played off the floor by teams that want to go small and shoot the ball super well? So I I wasn't a big fan of it. I didn't think it was like a game changer in the West when they went out and got Rudy Gobert. It wasn't anything that I was like frightened of. I was much more worried about the Nuggets getting Jamal back or or the, the Clippers getting Kawhi back than I was about Minnesota getting Rudy Gobert. I, I, it, 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 they, they are a big team, right? I mean, you, you go seven Rudy Gobert seven one two fifty eight. Okay, then you've got Carl Anthony Towns is six eleven two forty eight. Then 
and you know the other kid, Jaden McDaniels, is six nine, one eighty five, but six nine. So they're big. Like it's a big rotation, and the way they play, I mean, they very very rarely ever don't have Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns on the court together. So they they like that size. Rudy Gobert is definitely was supposed to make Carl Anthony Towns a much better player because he didn't have to you know do all that dirty work. And but he hasn't shot the ball well. He's way down in his three point percentage. He's okay, but he hasn't shot the three well. Tory Craig is questionable for tonight's game with a sore left heel. We already know D.A. won't play with the ankle injury. Uh, if he doesn't play, one has to wonder if this is Dario time for the Suns. Oh, is he available? Did they did he come down with that? I'm sorry. Yeah, Kellen did... just tweeted that per the Suns, Tory's going to be available. Tory's okay. available. Okay. Okay. Tory's, Tory's available tonight. Good. Well, then never Good. mind. Maybe this isn't the Dario night. <laughs> I don't know if any night's going to be Dario's night, man. <laughs> Might be when he gets traded to man, another team in a man, couple I mean, of weeks. Uh, the only thing that he's the only the only thing attractive about Dario right now is that that's an expiring contract. He's played two minutes. Two minutes. That's two it. minutes. Texas, your thoughts? The FanDuel text line. It's open for you as always during the Burns and Gambo show. Text us at six twenty six twenty right now. Are the Cardinals' struggles solely on one guy? And if so, who is that guy? Or is it really that simple? Next, Burns and Gambo. And Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Is this an ASU set? It's <laughs> fine. This used to be the Herm Edwards theme song every time we talk about ASU. Well, this football. one's going to yeah. Bristol, I heard. Yeah, this the, that the train is now going to Bristol. It is going to Bristol. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, Chatted with Herm Edwards uh, t- for a little bit today. He's heading back to Bristol this week. Yeah, if you yeah. miss the news, he got. We're not talking about Herm Edwards here. We just we played the music and it triggered a memory of every time we used to talk about Herm being on the train. We would play that song, but it was announced today that Herm Edwards is rejoining. ESPN. Good, he's great at that. He's a great NFL. Oh, he's fantastic at it. It's it's what I undersold. I really did the value that Herm Edwards had being on that network and like the the recognition factor he would have going into recruits' houses every single day. I'm like, they all knew him because he was on ESPN, but but he's clearly much better at that and not at being a college football head coach. No, uh, instead, what we're talking about is the Cardinals and this terrific story that was on our website, ArizonaSports.com today. And I'm not just saying that to pat ourselves on the back, though it sounds like that's what I'm doing. Um, this story today that really broke down the numbers of what has failed Kyler Murray this year. This is incredible. And it's the deep ball. And, and anyone, look, this is one of those things where I can hear half of you in your car right now and you're going, yeah, duh. But no, but at the le- what's incredible about it is the level. Like he's not anywhere near what the average quarterback is on these passes up to 20 yards or more. Now we know he hasn't thrown a 40 yard pass. He's the only quarterback in the NFL starter that hasn't thrown a pass that's gone for 40 yards. Every other team has had it. What'd you say? There's 45 different quarterbacks that have 40, done that. 42 quarterbacks 42. in the NFL that have at least one pass of 40 yards or more yeah. this season. So there's plenty of backups that are coming in and throwing for for. 40 yards. So they, they don't, do, but the accuracy on the deep ball, we know it, we see it, but nobody's ever, we, you just, you know, when you watch football the way we do, we know it. Hey, he's not hitting any of the deep passes. We don't have the numbers to back it up. We just know he, he's not connected on any deep ball. So picture, if you will, a football field from the perspective of a quarterback. All right. And you, so you're looking at the field. Now draw a line 20 yards from the line of scrimmage. Okay. So imagine beyond that line, the left, the center, and the right. Okay, so 20 yards down the field, 
quadrant to the left, quadrant in the middle, quadrant to the right. Yeah, the left is where he always had that success with Hopkins. Matt, Murray's passer rating when throwing 20 yards down the field to the left is 17.2. The league average is 78.4. That's incredibly bad. Like, that is like flunking a test. Like, you're flunking a test with a 35 score. A 40. I mean, that's really, really bad. When targeting the middle of the field, 20 yards down the field. Yeah. Kyler Murray's at a 42.5. League average is 85.6. When targeting the right the side of the field. Is the league average that high in yeah, the middle? Yeah, the league average is that high. Passer rating is 85.6 in the middle, 20 yards down the field. And he's half of that. 42.9 when targeting the right and the league average is 79.2. It's not only been bad, it has been historically bad. Awful. I mean, just like, like so bad you question yourself what exactly has happened with Kyler But this Murray. guy was always accurate on that. I, I remember when we talked about Hollywood Brown coming here. We Listen, two out of every three passes that he makes down the field are accurate. One out of every three for Lamar Jackson. It was a big discrepancy there with Kyler and Lamar Jackson with the deep passes. I totally remember that when I got Hollywood Brown. So, man, I'm baffled by... I, I knew it's been bad, but I'm baffled at how bad it's been. To the point where, um, consider this... That it, to your point, that Kyler, through three prior seasons, and in all of the zones that he's able to throw to, he had never posted a passer rating below 75.9. And the next worst passing zone was 95.8. So no, this has never been a problem for Kyler Murray. This has not been the issue with Kyler Murray. And then when you start looking at QBR, which is ESPN stat, passer rating, which is the traditional stat, on target percentage, completed air yards per passing attempt. Gamble, we're all talking about numbers that are as bad since his rookie year. We're talking about a complete regression in this regard, this part of his game, all the way back to his rookie year. And if you've come to us and you want to know why, I hate to disappoint you. I don't know why. You don't know why. Nobody no, knows why. No. But that has been part of what's been so bad about the Cardinals this year is that that deep ball is just non-existent. Yeah, I just went back to a, a May email that we had sent to each other. Hollywood Brown's possible payday. And one of the reasons they thought he was going to pay says, look, to balance it out, uh, one coach noted that the wide receiver will be far better off in Arizona as a result, the result of the pass-heavy Cardinals offense. Murray has 11,480 passing yards since 2019 compared to only 87.66 for Lamar Jackson. You know, and then it just they talked about how much better Lamar would be, uh, not Lamar, how Hollywood Brown would be yeah. paying in this offense. And part of it is because, and I have to find the one about the accuracy, but Kyler was just so much more accurate at throwing the deep ball. We're not seeing that this year. I don't know what the hell happened. I don't know. I Listen, I, I, I truly believe that the majority of the blame is on Kyler. And I think there's a lot of blame on Cliff, but the majority of the blame to me, if you're pie charting it, I think the majority goes to Kyler. He's just not seeing the field. Guys are wide open. He's missing them. He's not throwing to the right guys. 
It's sitting in the pocket too long. He's feeling the pressure. It's getting to him. I think the majority of the blame goes to Kyler. I think it's more equal. I think it's more split because I think this is only part of the problem for the Arizona Cardinals. And the other part of the problem to me is squarely on Cliff. And that's the getting the plays in on time. That's the understanding of the flow of the offense, disrupting the flow of the offense. No rhythm, no continuity, no anything. And, and that to me is 100% a Cliff Kingsbury issue. Is that as much of a problem for the Cardinals as the deep ball? Is that more of a problem? I guess it just depends on what you think the problem of the Cardinals offense is. If you believe it's the lack of a deep ball, then you're probably going to put things on Kyler Murray. If you believe it's the fact that they have to constantly burn timeouts and they're running every single play. I mean, look, you and I know this. Cardinal fans know this. You watch the games. It feels like every play it's a challenge getting the call in, right? Yes. It feels like every play from the Not minute... everyone, but a but, lot of them. But a lot of them. From the yeah. minute the play clock starts to the minute the ball is actually snapped, it feels like it's an actual challenge to get the playoff because it's just so much confusion. It's, I, I made the joke yesterday. Everybody, I think, listening has that friend who's always late, always frazzled, always scattered, right? They're, they're coming in hot. That phrase, oh man, they're coming in hot today. We've all got that friend, like when you meet them for lunch, they're 15 minutes late, they're running behind, they're completely frazzled because they've got like five balls in the air they're trying to juggle at the same time. That's this Cardinals offense. And it feels like it's every other play where it's just sheer chaos. That's Cliff. And if you think that's a bigger problem in this offense than the deep ball, then I think you might put the blame on Cliff for this offense. It's clear they both deserve it. It's, and, and here's none of this should be happening. None of it. You've got. Uh, this isn't a rookie coach and a rookie quarterback play in this. You're year. halfway through your fourth year. Right. You're halfway through your fourth. And for Kyler specifically, this idea that you've gotten that bad at the deep ball. Like, you were good enough to be good at it last year. You were good enough that it was considered a real strength of your team. And he was also an MVP candidate a year ago right. at this time. So so well, you, you tell me you were seeing the field last year and you're not seeing it now? You were seeing it well enough to make those throws a year ago, but now you can't anymore? It's not explainable. It doesn't make any sense. And we all hoped the return of DeAndre Hopkins was going to make it better. And maybe it still will. But those numbers, those numbers tell a story, man. And it's not a good one. No. And I don't know what's, you know, I I don't know if that's going to get fixed this year. At this point, I don't know. The bye week's still a ways away. You're three and five. You're scuffling. You're going to start having people pointing fingers out of each other. If you lose this game to Seattle, that's the nail in the coffin. Okay, you're right. You're three and six. You're done. Nothing's going to change that. You're 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 done. Um, and then you just you, you talk about the future, the future of Cliff, the future of Kyler, and with whether even there even going to be a future for those two here. Yeah, did Kyler will be because you would always oh, Kyler's not going. You anywhere. would always get a coach to get the best at to get more out of Kyler. And that's what Listen, ultimately, they may have to decide that. Kyler is regressing, and we can't get rid of Kyler because we're paying him an awful lot of money. But we can get rid of you and bring somebody else in and say, listen, you've got to make this investment work. You have to make this investment work. And you bring somebody in. If this doesn't work with Cliff and you eat the years on the contract, if it does, that's what I'm saying. Like Cliff has to make, there's too much money invested in Kyler to worry about the money invested in Cliff. Yeah. Brother. You know, like you were talking about, like, oh, we got to, oh, Cliff's got four. So what? Pay him and get it. If he can't figure it out, so what? You've got to save the Kyler investment. You've got, like, that's a big pot of gold compared to a little pot. You know? You don't worry about the little pot. you got to worry about the big pot. Yep. 
Brother, you've just hit on why it doesn't matter whose fault it is. Yeah, if we know yeah. the one that it's going to be held up, ending up being held responsible for. It. We yep. know who it is because he's the only one who can. This team goes five and eleven, and Kyler Murray regresses to the point where he's a bottom third quarterback in this league. Yep. You don't have a choice. Yep. You can't change the quarterback. You've got to protect your investment. Yep, that's exactly it. So it doesn't matter whose fault it actually is. It matters what you can do about it. Bryce Harper, two-run home run. There Philly's we go. Up there we go. Nothing. Let's go, Phils. Philly up 2 nothing. He hit off a of Lance McCullers. When we come back, Devin Booker and Chris Paul, they're good. How good have they been this year? Both in very different ways. We'll talk about that next here on the Burns and Gambo Show. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, your call, your decision. You want the Devin Booker stat or the Chris Paul stat? The Chris Paul one. Give feel, me the Chris Paul one. I have a feeling you're going to say the Chris Paul yeah, one. Yeah, because I'm always fascinated by, by this. All right, this is according to StatMuse, the Twitter account that's that's actually at StatMuse. They're a really good follow. They're always putting out really interesting stuff. Sometimes they overdo it, but it's really good. Players this year with more assists than points, with a minimum of 20 assists. Yeah. Killian Hayes, Ben Simmons, Chris Paul. Chris Paul should not like he, he, should, he should not be, not on, that be list. on that list. He should not be on that list. And I know we're only, you know, do you know what his average points per game at career average 18 points per game? Do you know what he had last year was 14.7. First year with the Suns, 16.4. He's been at 22 early in his career, 22.8, but he's usually hung somewhere around 19, 18, 19 his whole career. He's averaging 9.3 points per game. I was going to guess 8.5. Oh, he's not scoring. Like, <laughs> I was going to guess not 8 scoring. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about the, the way I watch Suns games now. It's like every shot Chris Paul takes, I'm like, like I'm jotting a note down. All right. He made his first shot. Okay. And he's not shooting the ball a whole lot. He hasn't been good on the threes. His three point percentage is. 23.8 this year. He's a career 36.8. So his three-point shot's been brutal. He's had four games this year. He hasn't even made a three. Mm-hmm. So, like, seeing him slip as a scorer, but not slip, slip as a passer, I mean, I guess, like, I'm not completely surprised because, you'd like, I wouldn't think that that part of his game, his ability to you know, see the floor and make a great pass is something that I think he could probably do when he's 65 years old. Mm-hmm. Like I do, I think Chris Paul will always be able to make those passes and see the floor the way he sees it. That's a brain thing. Yeah, I mean, I, two questions that spring to mind when okay. I think about this. Okay, I mean, question number. Well, question number one is more of a statement than a question, and that's I, I'm I'm surprised too because I would have thought his inability to shoot would have been more gradual. Like it, it's like I thought last year in the playoffs, it was because he's old and he got tired because they were playing every single yeah. day and he just ran out of gas. He's tired now he should have plenty of gas in the tank and so that that can't be the reason why now i know it's early i know they've only played a half dozen or so games there's a lot of time to figure this out but it 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 happened so quick that he went from where he was to where he is i still in my mind can't imagine he's not going to get at least a little better shooting the basketball because it's that's just a quick drop-off my question is if this is who he is all facilitator no shot can you get where you want to go with that? I don't know. 
I mean, that's really I really the, don't know. That's at the end of the day, the question. Does Kawhi come back healthy? Does Golden State slip? I mean, I think a lot depends on everybody else. But listen, I heard Bickley talking about this with, with Bickley Murata earlier. Like, the, like it used to be, you know, one and one A, Chris Paul and Devin Booker. It, it's there's there's a, a one and there's and then there's nobody close. Right. There's no one and one A. There's no one and one B or one and one C. I mean, the difference between Booker and Paul now is tremendous. Yeah. I mean it's it's not it's not close like it was the first two years that they played together. That's okay. And that's kind of my question. And I know you don't know the answer to it, neither do I. I know we'd have to see. That's good enough to go five and one in October. Can you do it in a seven game playoff series? Is that good enough in April? Is well, that good enough in it, May? And, and that's I I will be odd can I guess? Yeah. I don't think it is. Because you're gonna trap book and get the ball out of his yep. hands. I, I think you're gonna need more of a one A next to him, you know, which is why I still kind of support the idea of getting Kevin Durant, but that's a conversation for the next segment. Um, I, I I think now you can play and win like this. I don't know if you can play and win like this later. I don't know if that's going to be good enough. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's not going to be good enough. So I'm a little worried about if he if this really is who Chris Paul is, all facilitator, the sees the floor, passes well, fifteen assists, no turnovers like he did the other night. That's great. That's fantastic. But if he's not a scoring threat, I don't know if they can get where they want to go. I'm just being honest with you. I, I don't think they can. You're probably right, but we've also discussed like is is he not shooting as much by design, so other so that he could save himself, so other players can. I don't know. I mean, I, the three point shot. The he's not getting to the elbow that much either. I mean, nope. if you see, like even the other day. I mean, I was taking my notes. I think he made one elbow jumper. What his first jumper was a long distance jumper. It wasn't a three pointer, but it wasn't an elbow jumper. So I think he's having a harder time getting to the elbow. But the good news is like. He's averaging the same amount of assists that he did last year, 10.8, like which is, you know, that's really close to his career high of 11.6. So the passing is there. That's not turning the ball over a lot. Turnovers are actually down yeah. by a tick or two. Yeah, yeah he's not turning down. the ball over a lot. The assists are there. And, you know, the rebounds are back. Everything's the same except the shooting. The yeah. shooting has seemed to have left. Them. I mean, look, he's a career 37% three-point shooter. To your point, he's at 23.8 right now on the season. Yeah. There's no way he lives there. There's no way at the end of the season he's still at 23.8. And if he is, then I think they might okay. be in a bit of trouble. Then let, let's take it a step further. Where do you think he'll be with the scoring? Because he's at... Okay, so he's at... What's he at now? 9.3. He was at 14.7 last year. I would... Guess he's closer to like 12, 11 or 12 points per game. Okay. I would guess. I mean, and I yeah, think that can't stay around I, nine, well, can it? If it does, Mikel's got to be a more consistent scorer night in and night out. Cam Johnson, and I, I, it was, I took note watching that game against the Rockets. He had the second most shot attempts on the team. That probably is what needs to happen more often if Chris Paul's offense has regressed like that. Like you're, you're yeah, Somebody's going to get that you're shot. You're going to need Cam Johnson yeah. to shoot a lot. Right. right. I mean, your possession is possession. Somebody's going to shoot the ball on a possession. And you're going to need DeAndre Ayton to up his scoring average. You can, you can make up for it with other guys. It's just other guys that aren't as historically reliable as Chris That's Paul exactly is. That's exactly it. Okay, right. Because you've got a possession. Somebody's going to shoot the basketball. Booker's shots, if, if Paul's going, like, Booker 
Booker may get more of those shots. He might. You know, we should look at how many shots Booker's taking now compared to like in in previous years. Because if some of those shots go to Booker, then, you know, that's a positive. If they go to other guys, that could be a negative. Devin Booker is actually a tick below his field goal attempt so far this year. Interesting. He Last year, he was at 20.9. This year, he's at 20.2. Just well, a right, little bit. He's, he's, he's right close. there. He's, he's close. Right there. He's just a tick, like yeah. I said, just a tick below. Speaking of Booker, the uh, Devin Booker stat, since we promised Statapalooza here, Devin Booker right now is tied with the best plus-minus in the NBA so far this year when he's on the floor. You know, his team outscores yeah, the other sure, I love by the plus 78 minus. points. He is tied with Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, on the 5-1 and one Cavs. The player to whom he has been most frequently compared to, held up next to, arguments between the Utah Jazz fan base and the Phoenix Suns fan base as to which player was better, which player was more valuable, which player was overall the better NBA. That that argument went on for years and years and years. It's funny that they're both tied at plus 78 so far. It's funny that they traded the Jazz traded Gobert and Mitchell and they're 6 and 2 this year. Yeah, they're 6 <laughs> they're 6, six and, and two. 2. Well, really, I mean the one who's not I mean, Gobert's okay. Mitchell is doing great. Mitchell's been great. Utah's doing great. Gobert, eh, okay. He's doing all right. Yeah. I listen, Devin Booker has elevated his game to to another level this year. And he'll be a guy that's in MVP discussions. He'll be a perennial all-star. We always said this. Once he got to his first all-star game, he was going to stick there. And he is. Um, and he's just the type of guy that has so much. He wants to be among the best in the league. So he'll always, you're always going to get that effort because he just wants to be considered the best. Philadelphia is melting down Let's go, on a baby. cold November night. Alec Baum, solo home run. And it's 3 nothing. So how are they Philly melting over down? Houston. Huh? So Houston's melting down. Well, no, the fan base is melting down because oh, okay. they're so excited. All right, let's go. They're, 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 the fan base is hot right yeah. now on a cold, chilly night in oh, Philadelphia. That. They haven't lost a home game yet this year in the no, playoffs. No, they have not. They are they are taking it to Lance because they're fired up right now. 3 nothing Philly with a lead in the bottom of the second game. Three of the World Series tied 1-1. Week 9 of Bix Picks is underway. You can text the word PICK to 620-620. Sign up. Compete against the one and the only Dan Bickley. For your chance at the grand prize, 75 inch TV courtesy of Corona Extra. Weekly winners will receive an NFL jersey of their choice and a $50 gift card to cold beers and cheeseburgers. Text the word PICK to 620-620 to enter. Brooklyn fired head coach Steve Nash this morning. I'm sure it actually came as a relief to Steve Nash. So what's the next domino to fall? And of course, Suns fans, what are you keeping your eye on in Brooklyn? We'll talk about that next. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports, Kevin Durant. Watch the latest on KD to the Suns with Burns and Gambo. <laughs> That's fantastic. That is fantastic. Let's just look at to see if, yeah, another home run. Oh, Brandon Marsh. Marsh. Brandon Marsh Woo! hit one. There we go. Lance McCullers. Lance McCullers got a lit up. You're having a bad night, Lance McCullers. Ah. Bad night. Solo home run for Brandon Marsh. Four nothing now. Philly. The long ball taking care of the Astros tonight. Hit right off. No, a glove. Was the fan reaching over? Was it a fan interference kind of deal? Oof. 
Can't tell from that angle, but the, the ball literally hit a kid wearing a glove right in the glove. I couldn't tell whether he was reaching over or not. I'm sure like all the, of Jeffrey, whatever his name was, with the Derek Jeter Jeffrey home run. Myers, Myers. Mayer? Myers. Something like that. Yeah. yeah, something like that. I don't know if they're reviewing it or not. And I'm sorry, that totally took all the fun away from, from Mitch playing the Kevin Durant watch. God, did you just have flashbacks to the summer with that? Like every yeah, day. Yeah, yep. From June 30th until, honestly, it felt like what, like late August, early September. We were holding out for maybe a Kevin Durant trade and wondering whether something was going to happen or not. Until sure. Finally, it was decided. Yeah, it didn't. went all nuclear. I want both guys fired. And he met with the owner. Uh-huh. And, and, and uh-huh. you know, I mean, and, but then, you know, you know, every time I checked in with the Suns, they, you know, I was the first to report that the Nets had no interest in DeAndre Ayton. Actually reported that the same day that Durant asked for the trade and became public, but the, that they never wanted Ayton, and that's they just the Suns never had enough to make a deal. Now could that change? You know, if Adoka comes in and they don't win any games, and at some point you may want to cut bait and just say, okay, let's let's salvage. We, we got a 34 year old guy. We're not winning with him, and let's trade him and see what we can. Because that's your chip. Yeah, that's your chip. The longer you wait, the older he becomes, the less value you're going to have for him. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and look, it, no one, there's going to be no answer for this for a while, because obviously Brooklyn, and if you missed the news, we kind of buried the lead here. Brooklyn today fired Steve Nash as their head coach. Probably, I mean, the, the phrase relieving him of his duties, he's probably relieved. You know, he doesn't have to he doesn't have to sit behind a podium and answer questions about Kyrie Irving anymore. He doesn't have to sit behind a podium and answer questions about why his team looks like they don't give a damn anymore. I'm sure he's probably secretly deep down very glad not to be the head coach of that basketball team anymore. They replace him with Ime Yudoka, who, of course, the former Celtics head coach, took him to the finals last year, suspended a year. The story's already out. Boston is requiring no trade compensation no. for him at all. You want him? He's yours. Take yep. him. We weren't going to bring him back anyway. We had suspended him for a year. He had an improper relationship with a female here in the building, allegedly, and there was language used that shouldn't have been used, and we don't want him back. Well, he's a former assistant with the Nets. Uh, from what I understand, he's a beloved former assistant with the Nets. And of all the guys to go in there and extract the very best out of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, he's probably the guy. 51 and 31 in his only season as a head coach, and he led the Celtics to the NBA Finals when I lost to Golden State in his only year. He was on Nash's staff, so he was an assistant. He's familiar with them. Um, they're saying the deal could be finalized, you know, really quickly that he'll be their coach. They, they're willing to let him leave for another job. He's currently on a one year suspension. Yep. Um, and, and that you bring him in, and, and this is what I think some of those guys wanted. And, you know, maybe Nash wasn't getting through to him anymore, but again, Nash didn't make the trade for Harden where they gave up all those players and picks. He didn't make that trade, and he can't do anything about the fact that Joe Harris and others were injured, and they, you know, they they were one Kevin Durant foot on the line from, yeah. you know, from having a chance to win an NBA championship. If that if that game against Milwaukee, if his foot's not on the line, instead they lose, and Milwaukee goes on to win the NBA championship. And he certainly can't control Kyrie Irving, who's at the center of all of 
this. Uh, nobody I, can. I, I mean, he, he, nobody can. And, and he's just such a mess, and, and it's so hard to deal with. And so they make this change. Now, back to KD and the Suns. Well, clearly the Nets aren't going to do anything anytime soon. They want to see if this new coach can come in and fix things, you right? Give it, you got to give it you 30 give games. It a couple of months to see what he can do and if he can right the ship a little bit. So nothing's going to happen anytime soon. But if two months from now, it's still a mess. If two months from now, Yudoka hasn't changed the thing. Yeah, then you look. Then I think Brooklyn might look to revisit but do you that. Still, if you're the Suns, knowing what you know now, Kawhi's not, he's missing games. He's not right. Golden State, like, you know, a lot of people talking about like they, they slipped a little bit. You know, um, Clay has slipped and Draymond slipped. The Suns are off to a great start. Right. No, Jake. Do you still want to make the trade if you're the Suns, knowing what you know now, that you got off to a great start and that these teams that you thought would be so great aren't so great? I do, but with limitations. Okay? Okay. With limitations. Because Brooklyn is not going to be in a position of strength two months from now if it's all falling apart. Like they apart. were in the summer. They like lose they, leverage. Right. Yes. Like with the, it, over the summer, they had leverage. They had power. They, they no, no, man. We're not giving up one of the best players in the NBA for that. We're not giving him up for that. Two months from now, and it's still a mess in Brooklyn, they might reach a new level of desperation. The kind where the Suns can call them back up and say, hey, you want to take our phone call now? Because we're ready to bail you out with some draft picks and some players that maybe you, you know, we're not willing to give you that guy, but we'll give you this guy. We're yeah. not willing we're to do this. Cam and Mikhail. Right, because I think the Suns. We'll give you Landry Shaman. If it's really a bleep show two months from now in Brooklyn. I think the Suns will be in a position of tremendous power to say, we'll give you our draft picks. But who else would be willing to give it? Because the problem is that if somebody else wants to give the draft picks, the Suns' draft picks probably aren't going to be comparable to some uh, to another team. So who else would be in on him? See, that's the other thing. That's too. a good like, question. I don't know. They, like you know, that's why I say, would you give up Cam or would you give up Cam or McHale? One of them plus the draft picks to get Cam. Not two of them because the Suns would never do that. And maybe the Suns could get away. But see, the Suns don't have anything. If you hold on, they don't want DA unless they want DA. But I don't know. Like they, okay, they, okay. Now I thought about that because a listener tweeted us, and I hadn't brought this up yet. Yeah. What if Nash was the one who didn't want DA? What if that's changed? What if the? Well, what if there's a new way of thinking with the Nets two months from now? Where you know what the old guy didn't want DA, we want him now. We'll take him. Let's talk. I'm just throwing that out as a hypothetical. I don't know anything. Marks that it was Nash. I mean, the coach putting the roster together and not the GM. I mean, the coach at least saying, I don't want a player like that. That's not my style. I don't want a guy like that on the roster. I don't know. I, I'm just thinking out loud sure, here. Sure, sure. Just thinking out loud that well, maybe listen, that DA, circumstance has changed. DA doesn't, he, he, DA's got a no trade clause. So you can't count on him saying, yes, I want to go to the Nets. <laughs> no, <laughs> and can't then, count on that. And here's the thing. I'm glad we've got time to wait on this, too. You may not want to get rid of him. I want to see what the Suns are like two months from now. I'm thinking that you can, look, could you, if, if Kevin Durant is going to be traded, you offer the four first-round picks and whatever swaps that they want that you can do, and you give them any, I give them any, anybody that's not Booker, Paul, Aiton, McHale, and Cam. Anybody. Anybody. Those, anybody on the roster you can have. That's not those five guys. You want you want Landale? You're gonna have Landale. Yeah.
is Brooklyn desperate enough? And it all just depends on how bad things get there. And we don't know. We don't know the question that. But what? But to your point about would I still do it? I would still, only because I don't think you can count on Kawhi being this ineffective at the end of the season. I don't think you can count on Golden State being this ineffective at the end of the season. And can you count on the Suns, the roster, the way it's constructed, winning four playoff series? That's the that's, that's the, the question. question. It's not about winning regular season. No, because they, they did it last they're year. They're good enough to win in the regular season. Are they season. good enough to win seven-game series when everything changes and you yep. play in every other day and Chris is 38 years old yeah. and, and these other teams it. can make Keep going. adjustments? That's it. This, see, this is it. This that's is, the question. This is the case for getting KD because I don't need him during the regular season. I really don't. I'm going to win 54 games without him and be just fine. Those 16 games in the playoffs... Oh, yeah. he makes the Suns you want to so Devin? much tougher you want to, to deal Devin with. Booker? Uh-huh. Uh, good luck with that. It makes them so much tougher. You're going to double Devin Booker. Okay. Now I got Durant one on one. And that's why I would still do it. That's exactly why I would still do it. That's the I, reason I, why you would do it. That's, that's, the, that's exactly also, the reason why I would do it. You better win it this year. Oh, yeah, you better. And if you don't win it this year, you've just given up all your leverage to put another nice piece with Devin Booker yep. in the future. Yep. You're going all in on this season. Yep. But that was always the deal anyway, wasn't it? With acquiring KD. No, there were two windows. Oh, with KD, with yeah. With KD, it was always about the now. And and I'm, I'm, I've waited 50-plus years for this organization to win a championship. You want it now. Give me the now. I'm not about waiting any longer. You got a shot to go get it now? Go get it now. I'm all about the Nets. We'll see, because come January, like if I'm if I'm the Nets, I give I give Adoka every opportunity sure. to get this thing turned around. I got a lot of money invested. I got to see if I could do it. Philadelphia's down right now in the East. Let me see what happens. And if I if he doesn't turn it around in twenty five or thirty games, then I've got to see what kind, what I can get for Kevin Durant. All right, we've got bonus Burns and Gambo coming up as we're taking you until six thirty tonight. Suns Timberwolves pregame coverage. <laughs> Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. That's us, and this is a bonus edition of the Burns and Gambo show here on the flagship home of the Phoenix Suns, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We'll turn things over to Suns pregame coverage here in about 12 minutes or so as they get ready to take on the Minnesota Timberwolves tonight, 7 o'clock-ish tip time here with the Hall of Famer, Al McCoy, Tim Kempton, on the call, and of course, joining us right now from down there at Footprint Center, who's uh, always nice enough to join us on these game days. I hope he doesn't always feel like he has to, because he doesn't have to. But it's always a pleasure to have John Bloom on the show. I, I hope you can always tell us no, Bloomer. If you've got something better to do, you just say, I can't come on and talk with you guys, okay? I don't know what that would be, though, Burns. You know, I'm going to say this is like what Monty Williams says. It's a get-to, not a got-to for me, <laughs> to get to be on with Dave Burns tonight. And if it happened to be John Gambit. I'd do that, too. But you know what? It's just fun talking hoops with you. I have a question, though, Burns. He's a guy who has uh, grown up here, you know, in the Valley. Uh, It is uh, Dia de los Muertos tonight here in the gym. And I am wondering, do you say happy Dia de los Muertos? Happy Day of the Dead? Yeah, because it's a weird kind of, you know, dichotomy there. Day of the Dead. It's not necessarily happy. It is supposed to be a celebration, though, right? I think it's going to be a celebration here. I mean, if I I understand it 
understand it, you're supposed to be celebrating the dead. You're supposed to be right. celebrating those who aren't. So, yes, I, I think okay. it is happy De Los Muertos. Well, they have a lot of cool things that you're going to get to see if you're making your way down here tonight, including live mariachi music, which I happen to be a fan of. Anytime you bring the horns out, Bernsey, you know I'm a fan of that. <laughs> then you got, uh, uh, you know, there's going to be entertainment throughout the night. And uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves are, are in town. And Monty Williams <laughs> used a phrase again that stood out to me. Uh, he says, you know, it's tough when you look down in the paint and they have two buildings in there. And that's uh, that's kind of what they've got. Yeah, it is. Look, and we've we've been talking about them a lot today, Bloomer. I'm I'm all for in life zigging when everybody else is zagging, right? I, I admire those who zig when everybody else zags. I don't know if I'm a huge fan of what the Minnesota Timberwolves have done. It, it really feels so outside the box having those two big guys. It was it was risky when they did it. It's not off to the best start, but I don't think that's the best judge of it. How do you feel about this kind of experiment they have with those two big guys? Because I'm just not sure I love it, to be I, honest well, with you. you. You put it better than I've heard anybody else uh, put it, which is, they, yeah, they zigged when everybody else was zagging or vice versa. And uh, that's what happened because the trend is is definitely not to load up on bigs, but uh, I think it's going to be interesting. I happen to feel like they're strong enough everywhere else if guys are healthy and one guy's coming back tonight that they're excited to have guy that uh, has the nickname Slow-Mo, but he, he's not necessarily all that slow, Kyle Anderson, and they're excited to have him because he's a connector. He's a guy that can help maybe this offense work a little bit better uh, than it has through the first seven games. He's only played, uh, as his coach said, a, a game in 12 seconds or something to that nature. I think he got in injured less than a minute into his second game as a member of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, so you've seen him before. He's bounced around the league. You know, San Antonio, Memphis had him for a little while, and now uh, you know, maybe he'll help. But the other thing is just getting into their roles, Bernsey. Like, Carl Anthony Towns, now moving positions, is a big adjustment for him, for sure. But it's also an adjustment for everybody else around him to know where he's going to be offensively and defensively relative to where he has been through all of his career, now that they have the stifle tower in Rudy Gobert. And that guy, no matter what you want to say about his offense, to me, I, there's nobody on the planet that changes another team's offensive approach more than Rudy Gobert. No, absolutely not. In fact, Gambo and I have made it a point most of the season to talk about, and I know it's early in the season, the Suns, apparently there is a renewed emphasis on getting to the rim, attacking the rim. I have to imagine that's de-emphasized a little bit tonight when you've got a guy like Rudy out there. Yeah, I would agree, and, and especially when you don't have DeAndre Ayton, right? Because if you're going to try to attack it, you'd go with your biggest weapon. That's DA. He's not there. You're going to have uh, Bismack and Jock again uh, doing their best, and then maybe you're going to go small. Uh, perhaps we see Dario Saric, although I, I can't say that with any confidence because you just don't know uh, whether or not he's going to f- find his way into the rotation tonight. But uh, if he was ever going to, maybe tonight would be a night because you're, you're not talking about the most mobile of big men there with Rudy Gobert, uh, and that seems to be maybe what is giving Jock and, and Biz the nod over Dario so far when it comes to the big man minutes. Yeah, I, I would have thought he would have gotten some minutes by now just to start to acclimate him into the season. I find it very, very odd that he hasn't. Since we're talking about that Suns bench, I, I, I want to have a conversation for a couple minutes about, I, I know it's easy to talk about Jock Landale. He's been terrific, high energy, a lot of fun to watch. Man, a tip of the cap early season to Cameron 
Cameron Payne and the season that he's had so far. I, I, I did not expect him to be this grounded, this steadying coming off of the bench. I was a little worried about the backup point guard position. He has been, I don't know if pleasant surprise is the right phrasing, but certainly I had lower expectations going into the season, and he has more than met them and exceeded them so far. Yeah, I'm with you, uh, Burns, although I did have higher expectations because I didn't forget what he meant to this team in their run to the finals, and I felt like he's still there. I mean, it's not like a guy you could say is over the hill or anything like that, still in his mid to late 20s now uh, campaign, but yeah, last season, definitely not his finest moment, uh, and uh, yeah, he just turned 28 in August. I was just double-checking because I, I was pretty sure of my math. Uh, I think he's right in, in the prime of his career, so my expectation is campaign's best moments may still be ahead of him on the basketball court, and that is very enticing from a standpoint of what the Suns are looking to get out of him, because I, th- I think it's manageable. I think it's realistic. All the things that they're asking out of him. And that's great when you can have a role that you can settle into. So maybe last year, uh, you know, it wasn't that way for one reason or another. But it seems like so far, and again, small sample size through six games of the regular season, uh, campaign is reverting back to that form from 2021. And that is uh, super exciting. As you said, maybe it's it's uh, surprising for some. It's not surprising for me, but it is definitely encouraging. Yeah, and it was never it was never an age thing, obviously, with for for me with him. It was just more of a there was a recklessness last year that he played with. Everything just seemed a little out of control for him, and it seems like he's dialed that back a little bit this year without losing kind of the trademark Cameron Payne stuff, you know, that makes him so unique and so good. But just just kind of little a little less is more out of Cameron Payne this year, and that's kind of what I've seen out of him, and I've I've been happy to see that so far. What are you uh, hearing, thinking about DeAndre Ayton and when he might be able to make his way back? I understand he was out there working out a little bit before the game, right? Yeah, and and when I've seen him, he he does not look noticeably injured, so that gives me hope that uh, it may just be the week that they talked about reevaluating him. Let's see, that would be Friday. Remember, they've got back-to-back against the Blazers, Friday night and Saturday night, both here in Phoenix, a rare home back-to-back set, and uh, so I, I am curious to see whether or not we'll see DeAndre in either of those two games. The Blazers have been playing good basketball. They're without Damian Lillard now with a, I think it's a calf injury if I'm not mistaken with yep. Damian. So uh, yeah, I think, uh, let's see. If he doesn't make it back for Portland, then I would guess he'd be ready to face Joel Embiid in the Philadelphia 76ers when they start a four-game road trip next uh, Tuesday night, or next Monday night. Yeah, next Monday night. You'll be there, right? You'll, Absolutely. Well, you'll be forward to it. The city of brotherly love, which is just... they got some things going on there, don't they? Yeah, they got a 4 nothing lead in the World Series right now in Game Uh-oh. 3 of the World Series. Now, that's all good for Philadelphia. they got a football team that's 7-0. and Basketball <laughs> team that's underperforming a little bit so far, but I would imagine right now, if you're a Philadelphia sports fan... Hey, don't sleep on soccer, Bernsey. They're MLS teams in the final. The Union, I think. The Philadelphia Union. <laughs> see, you know I got see, you that know what? See, here's the you. thing. Here's the thing. I, I'm a sports talk show host for a living. I had no idea. I, 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 I didn't come on my own show and embarrass me like that, Bloomer. I didn't know that. Listen, I'm just proud that you actually watched Ted Lasso, alright? I know you guys don't talk the great game of football with a U, but uh, I'm proud that you watched Ted Lasso. Football is life. I love that show. I miss that show. I, I can't wait. I want it back so bad. I can't wait. Is this the last season of it? This is the final season, isn't it? Uh, you're breaking my heart if that's true. I think this is the last season there, which right, is don't just Don't tell my kids. I won't. Yeah. I won't. Yeah. Alright, Bloomer. Good stuff as always. We appreciate the time. We never get tired of you coming on for a few minutes. Thank you, sir. We appreciate it. Alright, Burnsy. Always a pleasure, my man. You got it. That's John Bloom down there courtside at the Arena Footprint Center where he's
getting ready to do the pregame action, the postgame action, and of course he calls Suns games when they're on the road. They're at home tonight taking on Minnesota. That's going to do it for us here on Burns and Gambo. We are out of here. Suns basketball is next. We will see you tomorrow straight up 2 o'clock right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.